Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, April 7, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics. On page 44, for context, we will reread the second paragraph, beginning with To One Who Feels and then pick up where we left off on Friday by reading and focusing our sharing on the following paragraph, which begins with, But it isn't so difficult. Today's readers are as follows. Ken with the OA 12 Steps, Nancy O with the OA 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Esther C., Jill T., and Nancy D., the share ID for Sunday, April 6th is 6146. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ken to read the OA 12 Steps. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I will now ask Nancy O. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Nancy O., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Ohio. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trust trusted servants they do not govern three the only requirement for oa membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively four each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or oa as a whole five each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers six an oa group ought never endorse finance or lend the oa name to any related facility or outside enterprise, less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA, OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy O. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 44, the second paragraph beginning with, To One Who Feels. I will ask Esther C. to read two paragraphs and that we focus our comments primarily on the second paragraph, which begins with, but it isn't so difficult. Esther, please go right ahead. Good morning. 
My name is SFC, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Canada. To one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible, but to continue as he is means disaster, especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to faith. But it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. Perhaps it's going to be that way with you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. So the big book told us um, in the first paragraph what our options were, and that's I can either live on a spiritual basis or I'm going to be doomed to an alcoholic death. And for us compulsive overeaters, it's a bit slower, but, you know, death nevertheless. And for many of us, that's a hard choice to make. Um, You know, a spiritual solution for many of us is treading in, in uncharted waters, and I know that quite a few people are turned off when they come into the rooms and they hear the word God or hear talk about spirituality. Um, but the big book assures us that we need not worry because we are in good company and, and this is what this book is going to help us help us do. I myself maybe was not in the category of atheists and agnostics, but I still balked at the idea of a spiritual solution because what that meant to me was that solving my food problem wasn't about finding the right diet or finding the right food plan. And it would mean that my food problem wasn't about everybody else changing or, you know, my having life circumstances that I wanted to get rid of. When I came into the rooms, you know, for the last time, and I learned that the solution would involve a higher power and would require me to live on a spiritual basis. And I didn't even know what that meant then. I, I didn't really know what that would look like. But I understood that I could no longer continue living, thinking, and acting the way I had I had been doing until now. And therefore, for me, living on a spiritual basis and all that that entails was a very scary proposition as well. And um, um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Who would like to share on the second paragraph that Esther read today? Katie from Boston. Sarah. Katie and then Sarah. Good morning. This is Katie G. from Boston. Grateful to be here, absent, sober by the grace of God, and recovered, compulsive overeater. I'm so excited to be on this chapter, We Agnostics. Um, you know, I was devastated. Um, I came into the rooms, and um, after a lot of fighting, I got on a meal plan that worked very well for me, um, and I worked the tools, and um, and I I I. I stayed abstinent and I stayed thin and I did a lot of destruction. And I came to, you know, we agnostics in a second surrender. You know, I had my first surrender was that I was surrendered by the food. Um, it, had, it had killed me. And then in abstinence, my living on myself was killing me. I was doomed to a compulsive overeater death. And, um, you know, I I tried to definitely avoid. You know, I I just wanted to to stay in my bubble and doing and do what it was that I was doing. I was not eating. I was going to meetings, and all of these were very effective. But I didn't have the spiritual basis 
that I needed. And I, I love how inclusive this book is. You know, it says we agnostics, which for me means I'm an agnostic. You know, like, yeah, I came in and I was definitely, I had a spiritual life, but that doesn't mean that, you know, as, as an agnostic, I was believing, I was saying that God existed in my life. I was talking as if God existed in my life. And then I was acting as if, okay, God, well, you know, I need to manage the food and I need to manage the job and I need to manage this and I needed to manage that, you know. And, and what was so amazing is after being, you know, devastated in step one that I have no I, I have no other choice but to try these steps because I the way I'm living is killing me. You know, what what this what my sponsor explained to me when we got to We Agnostics is I am beyond human aid and I have no power to choose. And I love, you know, the humor in this. Cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. You know, like we talk about all the time if someone were dying of cancer and they said, here's the answer, go for it. You know, we would go for it. But with, with compulsive overeating and, and with the, the disease that I had, I had to think about it for a while. You know, but after, you know, seeing with my sponsor the countless vain attempts in more about alcoholism, the ways in which I tried to manage my life in abstinence and with the food, that that wasn't working. I knew that, you know, I, ha I had to find God, and I didn't know how. And what I love is that it says our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. And there was like a softening for me all of a sudden. It was like, oh my gosh, I get, I, I can, I can jump on this bandwagon. I don't have to be rattled or bewildered. Something like half of you thought that you know God didn't exist, acted as if God didn't exist, and it worked for you. And and it's like, thank you, God, I have hope. And today, you know, I still look for ways. How am I counting God out today? You know, I'm recovered, thank God, today from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. But am I including God in all of my decisions today? You know, am I actively seeking him out in all my affairs? And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Sarah? Good morning, Vision, for you. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. My name is Sarah, and I'm a grateful, very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, you know, the second step is my favorite step, and basically we agnostics really is talking the second step, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. <clears throat> and I really like um, the, the part of this paragraph that says, uh, we try to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. And I think for myself, um, you know, my my issue with relapse was that I went back into the thinking that maybe I could eat like a normal eater and that I wasn't really a, a true alcoholic, a true compulsive overeater. Um, and then it says, but after a while we had to face the fact that we must and there's one of the musts in this book, find a spiritual basis of life or else. And I've been working with, um, with some people recently in, in the, on the second step. And one of the things that came into my mind, you know, it talks about it in the 12 and 12 and also in here, although it doesn't talk a lot, you know, it doesn't specifically say this is the second step in, in the big book, but that's what this is all about, we agnostics. And agnostic means lack of knowledge. 
And just the idea that we can open the door a little bit and say we might be willing to think that there might be something. And the fact that I've tried everything and hope against hope, I, you know, I, I couldn't find anything that could keep me stopped. And that, you know, so many of us, I mean, myself, you know, to admit that I'm a, a compulsive overeater and that's what I have, this disease, the rest of my life, um, it can sound very hopeless. But I think the idea that the second step offers me the hope of something can restore me to sanity. And I think that's what I have to go back to, that that the second step can restore me to sanity because without it, I'm insane. And, you know, if I really look at my history of the things I've done, whether it be with food people, places, and things to myself, you know, it has been insane. And this really offers me the idea that I'm not alone, that other people are trudging it with me, and that the best part of it is that I have a higher power that I can walk with all the time, every day. And as was stated earlier, that this is what helps me make my decisions, that helps me feel like I'm not alone, that offers me some sense of serenity, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Who else would like to share this morning on this paragraph? Katie F. This is Bella. Can I share? I heard Katie F., Larry, and Bella. And was that Haya? Hannah. Oh, Hannah. Okay, why don't we go with those four to get the next group. Katie F., you would be next. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. Um, But after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. And I thought that I had found a spiritual basis. I thought I was a very spiritual person. Um, And yet I kept going back to the food over and over and over again in the rooms, as Katie G talked about, you know, thinking that um, it was the food plan. It was, uh, you know, a specific meeting. It was, you know, just all these different things. But there were very specific things that other people told me I needed to do, and I was not willing to do them. And I didn't want to believe that that's what God was bringing me to, was following all the directions, and that I really had to change my MO. My way of doing life had to completely change, and I was scared to death of that because I thought I was just so smart, and I was just doing such a great job as I, you know, binged my way up to almost 200 pounds on a five-foot-three frame you know, I, I thought that if, you know, tomorrow was going to be better, tomorrow would be better, and then I would do all these things, and then everything would be great. And I thought that God, you know, really didn't care about, um, you know, my little food problem. Um, so, you know, I, I just love this. It says, but cheer up. Something like half of, half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Um, so if you have, you know, the lurking notion that you can do it on your own, well, unfortunately, this is what this is smashing because 
we can't do it on our own. If we could do it on our own, we wouldn't be standing here in wherever you are at 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock, depending on where you live. You know, if we could do it on our own, uh, we would. And we can't. That's the point. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Larry? Good morning. Larry, recovered uh, compulsive overeater from Chicago. Thanks so much for your service. Um, This is really good because um, for me it brings up thoughts of, you know, just what is the spiritual basis of life anyway? You know, when I when I when I lived a, a Larry-centered existence, you know, a self-centered existence, I thought, okay, you know, the spiritual way of life, you know, again, I couldn't see out of out of myself. So even the notion of having a spiritual awakening was, what can I get from it? That was how I. That was the prism in which I viewed the world. So for, you know, maybe at some point, you know, I recognized that I was powerless over this this hellish existence, you know, where food owned me, you know, and 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 maybe for a time I, you know, early on I said, okay, this obsession of the mind, the greater aspect of the disease, yeah, that's that's my greatest problem. I can accept that. But I was still so self-centered to the extreme. Didn't realize it, really, at that point. But I was so self-centered to the extreme that I, I mean, this notion of even having, having a spiritual awakening would be so I could get something from it. I could be relieved of this burden. Pull this burden from me so I could get back to my self-centered life. I mean, that's really what, what was going on for me. You may be different. So what is the spiritual basis of life now that I've had having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, probably something a lot different than than I thought it would have been. What it is, is, for me, is, is a few principles. Acceptance. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems. I live in truth, the opposite of insanity, where we couldn't separate the true from the false. Gratitude. Every day, I don't have to try to be grateful. I'm grateful, grateful because, because my higher power has done this for me. And that gratitude transcends all things. I have faith in, in relationships. Relationship to, I have a relationship with my higher power. It's a personal relationship um, you know, that drives everything that I do. And then it, it transcends other relationships. And being of service. Being of service, are you kidding me? I, I wanted to be of, of service to myself. That's a fact. You know, being fully present in the midst of calamity and challenge. You know, practicing restraint. I can discipline myself. Couldn't discipline myself before. Today I can discipline myself. Before it was, I want something and I want it now, Veruca. You know, <laughs> like, in, like in Willy Wonka. You know, Daddy, I want it. That's that was how I lived my life. I want it. I don't care if I was five or forty-five. I want it, and I want it now. Um, you know, so I'm fully present, practicing restraint, and then I live a life of forgiveness today. My goodness, I've been forgiven. You know, you know, just the fact that I have this life today, 
there's so much that's been forgiven, and I have that. And then humility, you know, teachability. I'm teachable today. I don't have to be the center of the stage and then make you be what I want. You know, I've got, after this meeting, there's 23 more hours. I'll probably sleep a few of those hours. Um, but there's, there's, you know, who, who, what human being, what type of human being am I for the rest of this time? Not just on this meeting, you know, when, you, when, when, I, when I, you know, try to chime in and be of service. So anyways, with that, I will pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry. Bella? Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Rebecca, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. Wow, I love this paragraph. It's a paragraph that I can see and feel the hope and the solution. We must find a spiritual basis of life. Now, the, ba- the, the spiritual basis... This is the foundation, and it's not the foundation and it's not the basis of my way of eating, of my eating disorder. It's the basis of life. Now, what is life? Life is body and emotion, and the food is only a symptom. And what is the foundation? The foundation is that I am thankfully and very happily can say now, yes, I am powerless. And I am powerless, it means that I am human and I don't know everything. I don't know everything all the time. I have my limitations. I can do mistakes. I can learn new things. And it's not because I am not smart or because I am not rich or because I, I grew up in a certain uh, society because I am human, like all of us, and I am thankfully and very um, gratefully saying, yes, my foundation in life is to be connected to God, to be connected to God, to give over all myself to the care of God, because God is my loving father, my respectful king, and God is there for me. God is there for me to bring me to safe and secure, and this is the foundation. And when I am connected to God 24-7, then is when I can be... um, peaceful regarding my food too. Only my co- by being connected to God 24-7. And this is my choice. This is the power that I have to choose to be connected to God no matter what. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Hannah? Hannah? Oh, I'm Hannah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Um, thank you for thank you for the meeting. Um, I still, after many years of abstinence and many years in other 12-step programs, um, where I see this power greater than myself, where I where I connect with it. 
um, in my gut is hearing other people's re- recovery experience in meetings. Um, and and that's really, I, I believed in God and I was sure that God hated me. You know, lots of bad stuff happened when I was a kid. Lots of bad stuff happens in the world. Lots of bad stuff has happened as an adult. Um, so I, I couldn't, I couldn't understand, and I still don't, the belief that oh, God, everything, you know, God manages everything. Um, what I could understand about living on a spiritual basis was that meant that there, there are principles that are bigger than my particular personality and the personalities of, of human beings and I can the steps really show me a way to clear my personality you know to sort of say okay so this is my personality I like to do this 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 and this and these are the people in my life and and here are these principles that I can try to live by regardless of my personality, what my personality might say, things like, but I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to do that. I don't want to give that up. Um, and I can say, yes, I understand that. And the principle is that I will get better, I will get healthier if I give up this behavior with food that's really hurting me even though my head doesn't tell me that. My head tells me the food is helping me. It's comforting me. It's making life bearable. Um, so especially, I, I, I want to say this, especially for anyone who's new and struggling with, or, or even not new, with not thinking this won't work for me, the way the bridge for me towards a higher power was really in my sponsor's eyes. You know, I could see the joy in her eyes and and her experience that this had worked for her. And I believed that she believed it could work for me. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Hannah. This is Rebecca and I'd like to share on this paragraph. I've been enjoying listening to everyone share, and thank you all, Um, and enjoying this paragraph itself so much. I've been thinking about how we are so blessed that Bill wasn't a religious man and wasn't a spiritual individual, prior to um, coming into finding this solution because if he were, perhaps he wouldn't have gone to great lengths to share it with everyone. He might have just shared it with his his own uh, religion or, you know, other people who were already religious. But instead, he was able to share this with all of us, whether we had a belief in a higher power um, or not. And he does such a beautiful job of gently uh, enveloping us, 
who aren't spiritual and allowing us to feel that we can get what we need from this um, program. So I'm thinking about how I thought I'd be doomed to a spiritual life by giving up my food and having to do what it says in this book. And he reassures me that it isn't so difficult. You know, he has a very lighthearted way, I believe, of conveying this information so that I can sort of relax and comfortably be drawn in. You know, further in the paragraph he says, we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. And all I can think of is like getting the hook, you know, on stage or else. He doesn't go into what he means by or else. It's just implied. And and then he tells us to cheer up. And I know when I was faced with the realization that I was a compulsive overeater, the thought of cheering up wasn't really... I wasn't ready for that, but he's assuring me that I can cheer up. And then that last part about you need not be disconcerted. Well, how could I not be disconcerted? I just realized I was, I'm was i a compulsive overeater and I'm never going to be able to eat my binge foods again. And I have to change everything about the way I think instead of being self-centered, which I thought was an appropriate way of living. I have to suddenly embrace a spiritual way of living. How could I not be disconcerted? But he's just very reassuring, and um, and it gives us hope, I believe, to continue on with these steps. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to share before we move on? Karen, you. This is Sharon H. in Colorado. Sharon U. and then Sharon H. Did you say me, Rebecca? Hello? I said Karen U. Hi, this is Karen U. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Michigan. Um, You know, when we read this today, I, I just kept thinking... When I came into the rooms, I I, I was gra- very grateful that it, they didn't tell me I had to recover on a religious basis, because if anyone would have told me that, you know, I I, I would have walked away. And I'm um, really grateful that there were people there that could um, help me along a spiritual path, uh, because I I had attended meetings that it was more of a religious understanding than a spiritual understanding. So, you know, um, I'm just grateful that I found people and and meetings that uh, understood what this was all about. You know, spiritual means that we can all come together, you know, regardless with um, whatever religion or belief we have. So I'm just really grateful that um, this is a, re, a, a spiritual program that uh, I, I indeed can do. So thank you. That's all I have. I pass. Thank you, Karen. You, Sharon H. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Sharon. Can you hear me? 
I can't. Okay, thank you. I think if I was muted or unmuted. Um, this is Sharon H., very grateful, recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. And um, I just wanted to comment on these uh, few sentences here. At first, some of us tried to avoid the issue, hoping against hope that we were not true alcoholics. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that was so my experience in this program. I just... Uh, you know, was trying to build a foundation in this program, but on sand because underneath, and at some level, relatively, I guess, unconsciously, because I was trying to do all the things that were uh, required of me. But the problem was, I never could stay stopped, and I never could understand that because I was able to stay stopped in another program. So what I see today is that the doctor's opinion, when that was laid out line by line, paragraph by paragraph to me on this line two years ago in July, I did see it for what it was, the uh, reality, the very harsh reality of what I had done all these years and why it didn't work. And so um, <clears throat> then I began this process of following the program and listening and uh, doing exactly what it was required of me to do in this book the way it was laid out in this book. So the fact then was that we must, and um, I learned in another program that this is a program of suggestion, but there are a lot of voluntary musts that we must adhere to. And then find a spiritual basis of life or else. So I finally was willing to heed that warning. And then I did begin to see uh, amazing things happen in my life as a result of being willing to surrender completely this, um, you know, this death of food in my life and see that I was never, ever going to be uh, what I thought I wanted to be, um, you know, to be able to eat um, and then go back and eat another way without any consequences. And I, too, you know, this just showed me how my mind still was very sick and unable to accept the truth. And so I'm so grateful today. I've gone through the process of the steps. Uh, I'm coming up on about 11 months of abstinence, thank you, God, and also a mind that is being renewed and restored to sanity one day at a time as a result of having worked these steps and now knowing that I must live in um, 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. I can't think that, well, now that I've done that, I can just kind of skate along. Uh, no, I must be diligent about this part of the action required of me so that by God's grace, he does the rest, continuing to restore and renew this mind of mine and to see things in a different light through his eyes rather than my own self-centered, judgmental eyes. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Sharon H. Let's move on to the next paragraph. Jill T. Jill. Hi, Rebecca. Yeah. This is Jill T. Compulsive over, recovered Compulsive Reader from Connecticut. And can you hear me? We can hear you, Jill. Okay. 
if a moral co- if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. But we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. We could wish to be moral. We could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the mere power was not there. Our human resources, were, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed utterly. Again, Jill, recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I thought I was living a good mor- code of morals until I did my inventory and uh, philosophy of life. I was a good private school kid and, and woman. But as much as I tried in my own strength, I could not save myself from compulsive overeating destruction. It wasn't sufficient. I wasn't sufficient. I was drowning. I wasn't an agnostic, but I certainly was not living by spiritual uh, principles. And the needed power wasn't there. Um, When the doctor told me that if I kept on the way I was, I was going to die, my first thought was, well, I better plan my funeral. I knew my will was not sufficient. I had tried everything else. Uh, Later I found myself on the floor on my face saying, God, if you're there, you have got to help me. I didn't worry about defining God at that point. I just knew that something greater than myself had to be in charge. I was desperate. I have a friend who was on her way to a 12-step call this week, and she said, you know, no one's laughing at God in the hospital, the bunker, or when the plane is falling out of the sky. And I thought about that for a good long while this week. It's when we're the most desperate that we reach for our higher power. The A12 and 12 talks about the hoop that we have to jump through is a whole lot wider than we think. Uh, And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we don't have to have that vital spiritual experience here in step two. We only have to be willing to have that spiritual experience and realize that we're just not enough and that we need our higher powers. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Jill. Who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Kim and then Paula. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Our human resources, as marshaled by the will, were not sufficient. They failed us utterly. Gosh, this sentence—I'm feeling exhausted just reading that sentence. You know, they're talking in here about all the things that people tried prior to Alcoholics Anonymous because Alcoholics Anonymous didn't exist as a fellowship when this book was written. They were just getting started. But I see this sentence as, gosh, I spent 17 years in this fellowship trying to marshal my will, and they failed utterly. You know, I really believed that a successful year at Overeaters Anonymous was if I was abstinent more than I wasn't abstinent. I really thought that was the best that we could do. And I, how would I marshal my will? You know, I really thought, well, maybe if I take this big book, because I always loved the big book, but I always read the stories in the back. Thinking if I read the stories in the back, it would inspire me to keep the food down. And if I kept this book underneath my pillow, maybe by pure osmosis, I would get some peace. Then I did the, the old, you know, no, if, if, if I need to have that correct sponsor. If I had the right sponsor, then that would rub off on me. And I would go shop, sponsor shopping. And every time I picked up, it wasn't that, that I was a, you know, powerless. It was that I didn't have the right power in a sponsor. 
Then I would use the tools as if the tools were the program. The tools are something we use in order to work the program, which is the 12 steps. So I began to think, if I can keep myself in enough meetings, I won't pick up. You know, if I can do enough phone calls and distract myself and feel comfortable for just this moment, which is what I really thought. I thought I could use my willpower and the fellowship to get comfortable enough to not pick up just for today. Just for today. But what they're telling us here is human resources, human resources, as marshaled by my will, so Kim's in control, were not sufficient. Was not sufficient. The fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous in a perfect situation will support us. But the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous is not sufficient to bring around that personality change that I need because of my powerlessness. I had to admit that all the things I tried before Overeaters Anonymous failed me utterly, and at 17 years in L.A., having had six years of squeaky clean abstinence only and being a stark raving lunatic and then picking up and never getting more than six, eight, nine months together and then the last three years just saying I'm abstinent so people would leave me alone and gaining 50 pounds in this fellowship without a single person in the fellowship loving me enough to say, Kim, what the heck is going on? You're saying you're abstinent and you're putting on weight every single time I see you. I finally got to the point where I surrendered. I finally got to the point where I recognized that my human resources, marshaled by my will, were not sufficient, that they failed me utterly. And after 12 years, I mean 17 years of being in a 12-step fellowship, I decided I had to do the 12 steps. That sounds crazy, right? But I, I decided that being in a 12-step fellowship, I was going to do the 12 steps. And it was by admitting that all these other things failed utterly and by admitting my true powerlessness, not while I was in the food, but my powerlessness in order to not pick up the food once I'm abstinent, that I walked through these steps in two months and had a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery. And my reality today after three and a half years, is that I, I do not want my binge foods. Never knew that was possible. I thought that alcohol and food were different. It is no different. Today, I do not want my binge foods. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Paula? Paula? We don't hear you, Paula. Star one to unmute. Well, maybe we'll get back to Paula. Does anyone else want to share on this paragraph? Can anyone hear me? Sue? Hi, Sue. Go right ahead. Rebecca. 
Hi, this is Sue from Pennsylvania. I'm a 68-year-old, married for 48 years, mother of three children, grateful, grateful, grateful for being here at this meeting today and to be a recovered member of this little fellowship of ours. Um, yeah, I, I'd love to um, add my perspective. I'm, I'm a 17-year-old. I've, I've been in 12-step fellowships for 17 years. I needed 15 of them to come in here and to experience enough uh, honesty, openness, and willingness to simply be mindful of what, what has been given to me. I think I came in here very grateful, I, broken and grateful. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I experienced the 12 steps in my other fellowship, and that's enough about that fellowship, but I, my experience was I went in there to uh, gain control of life, to gain control of some addicts in my life. And what did I find in that fellowship that was part of my journey? It was, who was the addict in this process that something could be done about? That was me. I couldn't do anything about them. I had to accept my powerlessness and move on. And I really did accept my powerlessness fully there, but I couldn't do it here without being here, without, without realizing that it's the whole Megillah that was going to help me, the, the fellowship as well as the steps. And, and I had both in another place, but I couldn't zero in on my eating problems there. Well, I've been on a journey, and the, that journey is a complete acceptance of step one to the place where my mindfulness and prayerfulness and gratitude extends to everything. I, I just ate a bowl of leftover salad from last night. My husband and I made food together. We made our meal together. It was a healthy meal. There was too much salad on my plate. I put it in the refrigerator. I love salad, but I don't like too much of it anymore. I don't need too much. I need just the right amount to open up my soul and my spirit to the sunlight. And so I just had that for breakfast. I had a little leftover bit of healthy food that was left from last night that didn't get thrown out, that will go through my system and fertilize the earth in some way or other. And for this, I am grateful. So what I'm saying is I'm grateful for everything. Some of this, I'm sure, comes from my age. I mean, I came in here in my mid-60s and if you haven't realized in your 20s that you're anorexic or bulimic and that you'd better start eating right or you're going to die soon, you certainly realize you're going to die soon when you're in your mid-60s. It's a life process for all of us. God gave it to us that way. And so I realized if I want to live as long as I'm meant to live, I'd better stop eating the way that I was eating and start living the way I want to live. And I think that's, that's what this program does for us. That may sound like a mouthful to the skeptics among among us, but we're all skeptical. We have to work through our own skepticism in order to reach this this place that, that many of us have reached, and we're all so graceful. And this is truly a program of subtraction. You have to give up the stuff that is interfering with your connection, with your spirituality, with God as you understand it, with God as we understand it, with God as I understand God. And, and that's the one for me, God as I understand God. But it's really the same God 
It's just we each experience it a little differently. And that, that's the beauty of fellowship, that we share our different experiences of the same process. And, and hopefully that, when we who are recovered reach out like that, that's going to speak to somebody in this group who hasn't thought about something in quite a, a new way that allows him or her to find recovery for himself. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Sue. Paula, are you available to share? I am, Rebecca. Thank you. It was a terrible scene with muting and unmuting back there, but let's move on. This is Paula and uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, before before I go into here, you know, I, the last sentence, our experience shows it need not be disconcerted. And I liked that and cheer up. So I thought, wow, now this is it. Yeah, this is going to get better. But then here it comes. If a mere code of morals or better philosophical of life were sufficient, better philosophy, yeah, well, okay, I had that little via. To overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered. Then why didn't I? Why didn't I then? I didn't recover. And I had that code of morals. Or better code. I, I, I thought I did. Not here. Not here. But we found, and that I did, that such codes and philosophies did not save us, no matter how much we tried. And it uses the expression, heaven knows we tried. We could wish, and that I did. And notice that it says wish twice. We could wish to be moral, and we could wish. The wishes weren't doing that. You know, when we were a child, I would wish this and I would wish that. I'd wish I'd get a pony at Christmas. I didn't. And then it says, I love this because it reminds me of being a child. Here I had to grow up. We could will these things with all our might. Well, if I stamp my feet and I get on my knees. And I did stamp my feet and I did get on my knees. But the needed power wasn't there. It was like I needed a tank full of gas. Sweetheart, go into the gas station and get a half a tank. Get three quarters. Get seven eighths. You ain't going to get there, honey. You get so far. And then it said, our human resources is marshaled to arrange. Marshaled means to arrange ideas. And that I did, by the will, were not sufficient. You know, it looks like I've scooted right down to the last paragraph, the last sentence, they were not sufficient. They failed utterly. I wasn't going to get where I wanted to be. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Okay, well, that's great because we've come to five minutes before the hour. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Sandy D. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Rebecca. This is Sandy D. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. 
Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We will... We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.